left a load of um, avocados pits trying to grow last time I was at yours. One of them fell off the fridge and died, and it was really upsetting. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's okay, we so killed Casper's bonsai. You oh, my oh my god, no, did it actually die? I think it's dead. Wow. <laughs> this, this started very positively, guys. Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> the death toll of the plants. Goddamn, yeah. <laughs> This is Bread and Barricades, a Labour's podcast. I'm Nemo, your moderator. Um, I have fermented every single vegetable in the entire world in my fridge right now. I've made ginger beer, I've made kimchi, I've made sauerkraut, I've made marmalade. <laughs> Literally anything I can get my fucking hands on, it's it's a bubbling. <laughs> and... And also you use they them pronouns. And I also use they them pronouns. <laughs> and Thank you're the you. moderator as well as I did us. say the moderator. Oh, did you? Oh, I thought you yeah. just went straight into I'm your fermenting <laughs> sort of friend. I'm Grace. I'm also here on the call because I don't currently have a role. Um, but the way that I'm dealing with all of this has been mostly by exercising. So I guess we're all going to be representing the three kinds of people um <laughs> there are um yeah exercising and um the usual way that i deal with everything which is playing a lot of uh, dungeons and dragons and and i use they them pronouns <laughs> yeah finally <laughs> i'm not the only one <laughs> i'm stevie your primary researcher <laughs> um very low-key secondary researcher um she her pronouns I've been baking a lot of bread, which is lame as topical. Um, (laughs) Somehow my partner managed to find three kilograms of self-raising flour for me the other day. Holy shit. Three? Fucking (laughs) hunter-gatherer. Wow. Sarah's providing. Um, So I've been baking a lot of banana bread, and I'm also propagating everything and every vegetable scrap just in case yeah actually we've got a lot of um celery in jars where it started to droop and now we're like right this is gonna make new celery and it it is (laughs) making new celery which is very exciting my 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 leaf insect eggs still haven't hatched i'm 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 liking to think that they're not dead but i don't know whether that's true I can't go in with speaking of despair. You can't make me. <laughs> Talking of the miserable people. This, no. this book that's called that. No. Oh, fine. Um, Jesus. Talking Bye. of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, always talking of Jesus. It was just Jesus Weekend. Oh, it was just... Oh, that's going to date this. Well, the Pope actually cancelled Jesus Weekend, so he got to rest. <laughs> what, Jesus or the Pope? Jesus, I don't care about the Pope. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> Speaking um, of wanting a better opener, uh, <laughs> the day opens. <laughs> <laughs> no, book eight opens. There we go. Counterstroke. Yeah. That's pretty dramatic. That is pretty dramatic, yeah. Chapter one is titled, In which Mirror Monsieur Madeleine examines his hair. Ooh. Oh. I'm actually 
not going to talk about that bit of it much because in that this chapter that seems like the least relevant part <laughs> yeah like i was kind of saying to these guys earlier i feel like what you take from books a lot is like the energy that you have when you come to the book so i was feeling a lot of like chaotic melodrama when i was reading <laughs> over these chapters at first so i was having a really good time and it was afterwards that i was like oh i guess these are like actually kind of sad chapters but i've just been like ha, 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 how's that 13 film shop <laughs> oh my god <laughs> because jumbo genres will remember left the courthouse last episode uh and he's come back to check on fontaine who is kind of looks like she's doing better which we know means that she must not Is be immediately because... going to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First, he's sort of being told by Sister Simplice that uh, she really believes you're going to bring her child, uh, Mr. Oh. Mayor, and like it's really brightened her up. You brought the child, oh. right? You're going to bring her the child, aren't you, oh. Mr. Mayor? <laughs> and he's just like, well, actually. Uh, she saw from his expression that this was not the case. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like, get fucking wrecked, oh god. But like, this happens multiple times in this chapter of like, so are you going to bring my daughter? You brought my daughter. I really, I just know that you brought my daughter and it's really going to do me a lot of good. And he just sort of sat there like, oh. Oh. I am the uh, worst man. <laughs> well, I, this kind of felt clun- clunky. You're right not to undeceive her. Her belief that he was going to bring the child. And I was like, you were right not to undeceive her. I didn't know undeceive deceive was a word. Like, I assume it is because it made it in here. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't, doesn't mean it's a fucking like word. Yeah. yeah. You were right <laughs> not to undeceive her. So to um, she is currently deceived yeah. um, to to break the... the yeah, free from deception, cheat, fallacy, or mistake. Yeah, I just deceive once her. again yeah. didn't like the edit on this, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Roast him, Stevie, get him. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, okay, well, what are you going to say to her about, you know, you didn't bring back the child? And he's like, mm, God will guide well, me, which is a very Jesus oh will take the wheel. Uh, uh, spoiler, Jesus does not take the wheel on this oh. one. <laughs> yeah, so he goes to see Fontaine. And yeah, she sort of was like, he brought the child? I'm like, oh, not going to answer that one. Um, oh, no. Yeah, so she, as I said, she's sort of looking a little bit better. She sort of described in a way that would rend the heart of a mother watching at the bedside of a dying child. So that's sort of reversed that it's the mother who is dying and the child who, well, isn't here to watch. Jean Valjean. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, sort of once again described as quite beautiful like she was in her youth that her um her long fair eyelashes the one beauty that reminded remained of her youth and innocence fluttered slightly although her eyes were closed just like yeah no don't worry she 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 was pretty the the child thing is actually interesting can you what was the line again um so the full line is she was asleep her breath coming in those painful gasps that are part of her malady and run the heart of a mother watching at the bedside of a dying child. Okay, this is really cool because so when I was looking again into Owari Nakitabiji, there's that one line, right, which is um, the uh, will you be a uh, papa to me? I'll, I'll mm. be a mama and a mother and father to you both. Yeah. Um, which is 
a line that was added in the 2012 film, but still somehow got into the Ore Nekitabiji as a translation, uh, Kozoe says, uh, will you be my mama? And he's like, I'll be your mama and your papa, mm. um, which kills me. Um, mm-hmm. But then when you look at um, the brick, there are, there's no like direct like passage that's similar, but there is mm. uh, one segment later on it's not that far away, actually. We're we're closing in on it. Where it says Jean Valjean had never been a father. He'd barely been a brother, something like that. He'd never been a lover. He'd never like had any of these things. Mm. Um, but he looked at Cos- Cosette as a mother would a child. Um, ah. And so seeing Fontaine being the child and this like unnamed mm. mother again Jean Valjean like yes being a it seems that figure. way doesn't it yeah and then yeah it's interesting that he's never like compared to a father he's always mm. compared to a mother when he's with Fontaine or with Cosette mm. is that because he's taking hmm I'm trying to think why that is I mean like in in my essay I did argue <laughs> that yeah. um the the fact that not only did the Hollywood translation, but then the Japanese translation as well, uh, yeah. the Japanese adaptation as well, find it so interesting that Jean Valjean doesn't doesn't just say, "I I will be your father," I will also mm. be your mother, or yeah. be a parent and not like a gendered one, is yeah. because of the idea of a non-gendered Jean Valjean is very exciting. Mm. Um, and there's actually um, an article about this. I'll put it in the uh, show notes. Um, called the androgynous Jean Valjean and it's I think about him being uh Mary Ma- Mary Magdalene is that the one who's I was wondering about that. Jesus no yeah, um, Jesus's bestie um, Mary Magdalene is Jesus's bestie um uh, Mary the virgin Mary is um <laughs> Jesus's ma so it's kind of like that idea of um him being both god and Jesus and Mary, maybe. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Rather than being like Joseph, like the father, like biological father, and more the like spiritual father, but then the like caring physical mother of Mary. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear it. I mean, also, um, Victor Hugo says gender is fake. Yeah. Also, Victor Hugo says gender is fake, yeah. and everyone should analyze their gender identity. And, <laughs> yeah. uh... and whatever you decide is right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Trans rights. <laughs> Victor Hugo canonically said yeah, trans, rights. trans rights. That's what it is. Yeah. Up until you said that, I was like, did Victor Hugo say? <laughs> <laughs> He absolutely did not, but you know. <laughs> he definitely did not. <laughs> I am so, rejecting things. He did have a friend. Uh, was it a friend? Oh Is yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's like a, a a a rabbit hole that sort of ends, um, but it comes up quite a lot in in the Tumblr fandom. Mm-hmm. Of there was a writer who was um, assigned female at birth but who presented as male, whose name I cannot remember on the spot, mm. who somebody asked him about uh, this friend and he was like, "Who? it's not my fucking place to talk about it. Yeah, like. yeah. 
I, I, I seem to remember um, he was saying something along the lines of like, I respect um, this friend's work. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me like the way that they identify or whatever. Like obviously that's a sort of a modernized um, way of describing that because mm. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was, it was good. George Sand. This is a quote from Victor Hugo saying, George Sand cannot determine whether she is male or female. I entertain a high regard for all of my colleagues, but it is not my place to decide whether she is my sister or my brother. So this is from a, a book called George Sand, A Biography of the First Modern Liberated Woman by Samuel Edwards. Um, I mean... There's obviously some bullshit in there as well. <laughs> there's obviously some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and apparently it's like kind of frustrating as well because um, the book moves on and like this is the only place where it's quoted and it's like really hard to find the like original quote and mm. like all these kind of things. There's um there's a post that I'll put in the show notes. Um, <laughs> by no surprise, it's by juxtaposition and pilfering apples having a conversation about it. You do quite a lot of meta things if you don't know on Tumblr. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Nemo, I'm out. <laughs> if we weren't already sure that Fontaine was about to die, we start getting some <laughs> we start getting some angel imagery. Uh, she's got she's her whole being quivering as though unfolding invisible wings, making ready to spread and bear her upwards. So we're like, well, at Oof. least we know she's going to heaven, I guess. Comparing her to a flower about to be plucked. <laughs> oh yikes! So I'll, I'll spare Grim. you that. Um, yeah, so that so she finally wakes up. Jean Valjean was just kind of like stood over her sick bed, looking at her. Um, she opens her eyes, and Cosette? Question mark. Next chapter, and I was just like, air horns. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, it also made me think of the conversation we had in the last episode of like what he can achieve as the mayor and as like a figurehead and what he can achieve as a man. Mm. And he, as the mayor, was kind of like, like we know that this has been going on for a while and he wasn't calling for Cosette to be brought. And now he's, he, sort of, he sort of says to the doctors like, oh, I'll bring her in the next three days. It'll only take three days. And you're like, but if he'd done this, a while back, yes. those two days would already be over. Oh, this is Fontaine is happy. She asks the question in such a to- in a tone of such absolute trust and certainty, yeah. so complete an absence of misgiving that he was at a loss. You're like, God, just grind him into yeah. dust, Victor Hugo. Yeah. Yeah. Fontaine had been having dreams that he was going to bring Cosette to her. Um, you were in a kind of radiance and they were heavenly figures hovering over you, um, she says to him. Like, he literally looks up at the crucifix like, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, the doctor comes in and takes the wheel for him uh, and kind of does the like, your daughter is here, but because you're still quite ill, we're not going to bring her in right now. Let's wait until you calm down a bit. And like basically sort of low-key covers for Jean Valjean and like, but... Aww. Also in that way that's, I guess, kind of kind for her because yes. sort of hearing, like, she sort of does the, oh, please, like, I promise, I'm okay, I'm okay, can you bring her into me, it'll make me so happy. But I understand why you're saying that maybe that's not a good idea right now. Look, I'll be so well behaved so then I can see her. Believing that Cosette is outside 
does bring her so much actual joy that it mm-hmm. does feel like the kind thing to have told her. Oh, the doctor says, uh, it is enough, not enough to see her. You have to live for her. Yeah. Which I loved and then was also like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then Jean Valjean is kind of like, yeah, I did go, I did bring her. Um, yeah, she is very beautiful. She'll be with you soon. Oh, she literally, uh, one asks, like, you're the mayor. Won't you do this for me? Won't you bring her in? And, like, literally, these chapters are the beating down of Ramon <laughs> Sean. Him. Yeah, literally destroy him. Well, like, God. he wasn't feeling enough guilt, I don't think. <laughs> well, I think that was the thing, wasn't it? That he was sort of, um, he was abstracting sort of Fontaine's suffering quite a lot he was like ah yes you know this is happening but I'm dealing with all this stuff with with Javert so um she'll she'll have to wait while I deal with that and then now it's like oh you you put yourself first did you (laughs) (laughs) oh oh did you (laughs) um Bas Fontaine she asks after the Tenardiers uh like asks if they're doing well even after they have constantly been hounding her for more money that was Mm. I don't know it was very sweet and sad. Too good. So then she cries. I can hear her, my darling, I can hear her. A child was playing in the yard, the daughter, perhaps, of one of the women who worked there. It was purely an accident, one of those chance happenings that are so often a part of the mysterious stage management of scenes of tragedy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's me. I'm sorry, it's not you, Nemo, it's Muriel from from Beyond the Grave. Oh my um, god, yeah. Putting everything together. <laughs> it was really that mixture of like, we've got that God versus fate theme, but then also that like, Victor Hugo, you're the motherfucker who is stage managing this tragedy. Yeah, yeah. And there's also another one of those things where he's like, and also, did you know that I'm also a playwright? <laughs> I know a little something about stage management. <laughs> it's it's very the equivalent of him um, saying like mentioning that microscopes exist and then being like, <laughs> I know science. Like, yeah, so she hears this child sort of playing in the yard for a second, um, and it it like gives her this really like bolstering moment, but then she's the child's voice sort of fizzles out and she's like oh how cruel of the doctor not to let me see her but he had a cruel face you're like oh we're back to (laughs) people the way people look but then again like she's wrong so it's like Mm. that's true yeah because he had some nice lines and he was like being choosing to to try to be kind whether whether Mm. um sort of withholding that information is a kind thing or not you know yeah Mm. Yeah, I guess that could be argued either way. Oh, so then she starts sort of fantasizing. It's like, oh, but, you know, we're going to be happy. We shall have a little garden. Monsieur Madeleine has promised. And I'm like, oh, garden oh. theme. She's on Tumblr for <laughs> five hours every day looking at cottage course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of talks about the life that they're going to have. Um, like up to have her daughter's first communion, which is going to be in... Five. Yeah, which would be in five years. And then suddenly she goes silent. Her aspect was alarming. 
Um, she seemed scarcely to breathe, staring with wide startled eyes at some terrifying sight that it seemed had just appeared at the far end of the room. What is it, Fontaine? He asked. What's the matter? <laughs> he turned and saw it was Javert. <laughs> <laughs> chapter the next. Javert is content. And the theme of this chapter, if the last two chapters themes have been like milk Jean Valjean for every guilty atom. <laughs> then these ones are just like fucking kill Javert just destroy him Victor Hugo he doesn't hold get back it's, it's quite a lot <laughs> this is what had happened and we kind of get the little way that Victor Hugo loves to recap things that we read like a chapter ago <laughs> yeah. um, which basically ends up with the like so Javert was told of everything that happened at the court case and that someone needs to bring in Jean Valjean um <laughs> Oh, we have a little, like, the defence lawyer had still tried to, uh, uh, sorry, the prosecutor had still tried to declare that his own convictions were in no way altered, still convict Jean Mathieu, even though everyone else is like, uh, clearly that's not true. Then the defence lawyer does some more like, no, like, see, it, it was, I guess it was the mayor. But let me still take some time aside to talk about... Some observations I have on the subject of judicial error, error God. but like goes on for a bit and you're like, okay, you're still full of shit. But the law needed a Jean Valjean and Javert's the man to bring him in. Oh, about the judge. It may be added that although he was a good-hearted and reasonably intelligent man, the judge was a sturdy and indeed ardent royalist. Oh, <laughs> Victor Hugo's like, just so you know my opinion on things, just gonna sprinkle him in there. So then we get to Javert, who we know had returned to Montreux-Semer immediately after te testifying. We catch up to Javert, who's in the doorway of the infirmary. <laughs> Anyone not familiar with Javert, uh, who had seen him when he entered the infirmary, would have had no inkling of what was passing through his mind. Um, he's very composed, and his grey hair is immaculately combed. But anyone knowing him well, Nemo, who would have observed him more closely, would have been astonished. The buckle of his leather collar, instead of being at the back of the neck, was under his left ear. It was important. Oh my god. And instead of being like, let me describe an aspect of his clothing that's a bit disheveled, and that will let people know that this is like a big deal for him. Is Victor Hugo, so he has to be like, so I'm going to do this analysis for you. <laughs> and, you know, he wouldn't have disorder because that's what he's like. So if it is disheveled, then it's a big deal. And you're like, I could have, I did work that out, but. You, <laughs> you, I, I really <laughs> wish that Victor Hugo had access to Tumblr and like gift sets. So he could do like a five hour essay underneath oh the gift set to God. be like. And of course, the costume designer really knew what they were doing here because. Uh... <laughs> but what about his own book? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. Oh, yeah. Um, he thrust open the door with the gentleness of a sickness. Or a police spy. Oh my which god. Which I kind of like the police spy uh, AU that my brain went off on. Oh yeah, AU. Oh, is he a spy? <laughs> yeah. Is he? I mean, at the barricade and, it, you know, like he... Oh yeah, fuck. That is, that is literally what he does, yeah. <laughs> okay, then it's... Okay, Victor Hugo, you got me this time. It was good <laughs> Although, like, it does seem really daft that, like, Victor Hugo is like, as if he were... 
yeah. the thing that he is. <laughs> like the thing that he will be. It's called foreshadowing. Oh, sorry. I mean... I'll, I'll, I'll try. Re- I'll read a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was the idiot that was like, oh, I just liked. <laughs> maybe i do need victor hugo to hold my hand (laughs) oh then we get some good uh protruding from beneath his arm was the metal head of his huge stick Mm. in the moment when the eyes of the two men met javert without having moved or made the least gesture became hideous (laughs) and this is where it sort of really starts yeah it's like okay it's only one page but it's it's one page that i couldn't read you all of the descriptions of how He's ugly, but just know that, like, know that he is the ugly triumph that seemed to radiate from his narrow head in the whole panoply of ugliness that intense gratification can induce. Too long didn't read is basically saying, like, here are the ways that it's right. The fact that he believes so hard in justice and truth and like these things isn't bad until you take it to a certain level and then it becomes mm. so bad that it's literally hideous. Javert, you're hideous. Javert, <laughs> you're, you're an error here. There are some good descriptions in here, but uh, kind of spoiled for choice here. Oh, he's described as a destroying angel uh, and the deed he was performing seemed to invest his clenched fist with the gleam of a fiery sword. I think maybe that's also what we're sort of getting across that like he's smiling with satisfaction like the whole time he loves that he's getting to do this so much that that also makes it kind of bad question mark yeah i guess so i think like that's sort of the whole point of this character though isn't it that um he represents the the flaw in the law as it were haha <laughs> nice rhyme mm. but he represents <laughs> he represents that like sort of what it is when the um the law is taken too far or the law falls into the hands of people who are use it in the wrong way as it were mm. Yeah, integrity, sincerity, honesty, conviction, the sense of duty, these are qualities which, being misguided, can become hideous. Without knowing it, Javert, in his awful happiness, was deserving of pity, like every arrogant man who triumphs. Nothing could have been more poignant or more heart-rendering than that countenance on which was inscribed all the evil in what is good. I feel like that that's also that's something that um, Hugo has described described him as a lot though hasn't he like he has described him as the evil in what is good as it were i feel like that's that's passages that we have had a lot of right mm. yes yeah we've definitely talked about that nemo were you saying in the last episode that that scene for jean valjean is when he stops representing things and becomes his own character yeah and and i think this is I think this is Javert as well. Like, this moment is him switching between righteous fury in scare quotes to... Well, I don't know, maybe this is the last moment where he can really feel the... Like, it, it's gonna... Okay, so what I'm trying to say here, <laughs> I kind of argued myself out of it because I was gonna say that this is the last moment where he acts sort of, like, as the law, and this is when he gets his, like, personal conflict thing and then he becomes, like, a human. But it isn't because uh, he doesn't give a shit about Jean Valjean when he thinks that Jean Valjean has died um, in a couple of chapters. So it's not like... This isn't, like, the start of his, like, personal quest for vengeance on Jean Valjean because he fooled him. This is, like, he's still acting within what he thinks is the law right now. Um, 
So even all of this like disarray and his collar being wrong and like all that kind of stuff, this is still him being really furious about um something that that he believes is like a heinous crime, but is still like acting as the law versus the criminal, not Javert versus Jean Valjean. Mm. Oh, maybe a line that I should have read. <laughs> um that sort of when he sees Jean Valjean, the humiliation of having for a short time lost the scent and been led astray by Jean Mathieu was banished by the overweening delight of having guessed right in the first place, (laughs) of knowing that instinct had not failed him. That would have been a good line to give you earlier. Um, Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because I feel like that, you've definitely mentioned that before. You saying, was this the moment where he's like, wait, fuck, I was right from the beginning, so I'm never going (laughs) to... Double, yeah. never ever Not gonna doubt guess. myself again. <laughs> doubt myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only have self-confidence. <laughs> and we're all like uh, unrelatable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that um oh yeah, Javert being uh, um self-righteous about his ah uh, yes, I was right all along. That feels quite that feels character rather than archetype. Though I don't know how that is how that feels for everyone else. Yeah, that's true. So doesn't the law work in that way? You have one case, and then after that, that becomes the precedent. Mm. Javert was acting. Javert was acting the first time the way he thought that the law worked, and then he was proven wrong. But was then actually proven right. So, isn't it like actually the law? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we maybe we can read further and see yeah. what it aligns yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. This is the like thing that a lot of people in fandom talk about, so I don't think it's something that we can really solve because it's mm. like it is something that, get, that gets talked about, especially with the adaptations. And it's like um, when you watch a different adaptation, say you've never read the book before and you don't know the story, like a lot of people being like, "Why is Javert so focused on Jean Valjean?" and like they kind of up the personal vengeance kind of side, mm. um, knowing that there are a couple of like in between scenes that we'll we'll get to. Yeah. That's what I have in my head yes. the entire time. So yeah, yeah, he can be both an archetype and a character. <laughs> Never no. not in this economy. <laughs> I had so much fear that I was going to read out too much that now I'm like, oh, if I'd read out these things, that would have helped the argument that we just. <laughs> <laughs> Javert was in heaven. Without being fully conscious of the fact, but still with a sense of his importance and achievement. He was at that moment the personification of justice, light, and truth in their sublime task of stamping out evil. <laughs> yeah, that might have um, that could have been yeah, bit. yeah. <laughs> but the only note I'd written was "Go off, Javert." So I forgot to read it. I mean, well, there it is. Then, yeah, it does sound like he is still he is still in that role. Yeah, but then, so like that's middling, or is that mocking him? do you think Mm. that's kind of like halfway in this description of him so it is like after that that it gets into the like and he was hideous about it like maybe he is but he's it's disgusting (laughs) Um. (laughs) Mm, okay thinking through a thought that i just had so i don't know where it's going to end up you know the best kind of thoughts to have on a podcast (laughs) um if jean valjean is a person who is trying desperately to be hide in the law then Javert is the law trying desperately to hide in a human mm-hmm. disgust <laughs> I like in it the, the kind of way where it's like 
because of the way that he was brought up and the way that he like organizes his life when when he tries to humanize the things that are bad he he thinks they're good things right like Mm. his justice and like his righteous fury and all these kind of things when he tries to humanize them as in like when he tries to laugh or when he tries to feel good about himself it only heightens the ugliness of it yeah and 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 draws a big arrow over like the law is bad whereas someone trying to be good mm. no i keep going i think there is something i think there is something there so so when when you're trying to be good but you're hiding it behind the idea of institution you're only making you're only making it more obvious that like the institutions can't mm. Well, that aligns with that aligns with what we were talking about, um, um, Mare Madeleine hiding behind Mare Madeleine rather than embodying Jean Valjean, mm. is the reverse of that, the equivalent of that. Inspector Javert hiding behind Javert, mm. like there being this, um, there being sort of this foil of a a human, a personality, a um, someone who finds joy in things that you know when whenever we see see him in his home um he you know he reads i can't i can't remember what the phrasing was but like the the sort of the description of him was quite sort of robotic it was quite sort of mm. dehumanizing um, well, he reads because he feels a manifestation should but he yes, doesn't get any exactly. enjoyment out of it yes mm. yeah yeah um it wasn't even a like he reads to improve himself sort of thing and then on the inside, you know, whenever we get this this sort of reveal, it's the inspector is there, the law is there, this sort of um, archetype of all that is the the arm of the law. Because mm. I don't want to say justice, like because justice is better than that, even though that's a sort of a weak way of of phrasing that. We did just so we just got Jean Valjean becoming a man, and then I guess now we have the Javert becoming the personification mm. i don't know because i feel like he always has been still but i don't know whether that's whether that holds <sighs> mm. <laughs> i guess we'll have to reread the book and, and see, <laughs> see what happened before so um next episode we'll start back at before we get to part two, we really have to solidify. We've just got to go back on part one, and yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, I I think that this is again something that we can't solve or crack yeah. now because, yeah. but but it is an interesting thing to think about of like how and when, like, is this the point where Javert either becomes human or doesn't become human, or is this like the starting point, or is it like something that uh, I mean, it is going to build, um, but like what. How does how does a man who is like showing cracks here it like is it Victor Hugo being inconsistent later? Where he's like, um, oh and Juve just like says, huh, cool, and then like gets over it. Or is it something that is like just not that important to uh Javert? Javert watch. <laughs> Javert watch, yeah. That's all this podcast has ever been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's not lie to ourselves. The next chapter is called Authority Resumes Its Rights. Ooh. Ooh. 
How many chapters until part two? Uh, ooh, just the two. Just those two I just said. Oh. I wonder, is it worth um, maybe like taking a, a pause and I don't know whether this is an option for you, Stevie, maybe um, reading those two? So those questions that uh, were brought up last time was a test <laughs> because the answers were, were the next chapter. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be like that, honestly. Um, yeah, he just fucking comes out and says it does Victor Hugo. Um, Javert stepped into the room and Fontaine basically is like, there's no way he's here for anyone but me. No. Um, and also he looks fucking pissed and he would who else would he be like that around? Like, he was so mad when he took me in. But Jean Valjean is very, like, accepting that this is a thing that's going to happen. And very calmly is like, don't be afraid, Fontaine. Um, turns to Javert, is like, I know what you're here for. Javert said, then be quick about it. He spoke <gasps> the words in savage haste, running them together in an unintelligible growl that scarcely oh resembled human speech. There's a lot of... I think we were on the lookout for animal... Uh, Animal imagery and Javert. Mm. So yeah, we get a lot of like snarling and uh, he bears his teeth a lot. Disregarding the customary formalities, he made no official pronouncement, did not even produce the warrant. To him, wow. Jean Valjean was in, was in some sort of mystical obsession, a shadowy opponent with whom he had wrestled for five years before at last overthrowing him. Cool. So, so he yeah. breaks convention there, yeah. Sure does be a human. <laughs> he growls some more, be quick about it, fixing Valjean with the gaze flung like a grappling iron. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, Fontaine's more like... What a fucking description. God, this, this, he, he must be here for me. Like, she can't believe that um, like he seizes the mayor by the collar and the mayor meekly submitted. Um, and to her, this just like does not fit into her current worldview where the mayor has like done so much for her and mm. is barely like human i guess in her eyes like everything he's been capable of it was as all as though the whole world had collapsed javert uttered a hideous laugh baring all his teeth he isn't mayor any longer <laughs> oh my god speak up sir javert people don't mutter when they talk to me <laughs> jesus christ Jean Valjean then sort of like begs for the three days and I just want to fetch this woman's child. You can come with me to sort of prove that that is what I'm doing. Um, oh God, and then Fontaine in the background's like, to fetch my child? She isn't here. <laughs> oh no. Oh my God. Rub oh. it in. <laughs> Javert stamped his foot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> God, and then he's the worst. Uh, you hold your tongue, you slut. It is a fine state oh. of affairs when goldbirds, uh, which is jailbirds, become magistrates and whores and nurse like countesses. Mm, We're going to put worse. a stop to all that and high time too. So he's the worst there. Yeah. God, and yeah, so all of this going on around her. Um, Fontaine's eyes going from Jean Valjean to Javert. She suddenly fell back against a pillow and she was dead. What? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's when she dies? Yeah. yeah. So she's just like what this is what and it's so full of anguish that she was dead jesus christ so how, how's that for your uh, climax <laughs> <laughs> there fucking is mm. jean valjean sees the hand gripping his collar and attached it as effortlessly as if it had been that of a child 
he said oh. to Javert, you have killed that woman. <laughs> Which, like, yes, but also, I'm not here to defend Javert. I'll let somebody else do that if they want to try. <laughs> but, like, I would argue it's the mix of, like, this big intense moment and she is sick, but also the, like, oh, my child, yeah. who I thought was here, isn't here. Mm. Like, you kind of did also take part in that lie. Jean Valjean. Yeah, the doctor explicitly said to her as well um, to live, live to see Cosette, and she thinks that she's there and, and she's not. Yeah, so like, I see where Jean Valjean is coming from, but maybe we all killed Fontaine. <laughs> oh. We collectively killed Fontaine. Um, Teamwork. Yeah, and up, oh. up to that point, Jean Valjean had sort of been like letting Javert man handle him and as being, uh, there was a lot of like, meek and submissive uh those words being used yeah and at that point he's like well fuck this and fuck you um from the corner takes an iron bedstead um (laughs) here we go and and, like broke it off the bed a simple matter for a man of his strength um (laughs) and then his rippling muscles (laughs) (laughs) the rippling muscles are implied at this point and confronts javert you could say it's a confrontation Pardon? <laughs> say the word, you coward! <laughs> it doesn't say the word. <laughs> oh, um. So he s- stood over Fontaine with his weapon and says in a voice that was scarcely audible, "I would advise you not to inf- interfere with me at this moment. One thing <gasps> is certain: Javert trembled." <laughs> this is um, Dobbs, Dobbs, Undertone's big time. Undertone. Yeah. <laughs> Elect- part two, electric <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, switching as a uh, tag on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Five oh. times that Javert was a sub, and one time it was Jean <laughs> Wow, I bet our listeners hate us. <laughs> <laughs> our listeners only listen to episodes that are named like this. True, uh, our listening are uh, uh, like view count goes up like double when it's like dom sub oh <laughs> it's so good to know that they are here for the same reasons as we are they're even more here for the reasons that oh. we are Same. I mean, we're double as here we're double as here when uh when we're talking about this as well so <laughs> <laughs> so javert's cowed for that moment and jean Valjean has this very quiet moment stood over fontaine's body and then he's bent low to speak to her in a low voice. What did he say to her? What could that man who was a condemned, who was condemned, say to that woman who was dead? What words did he use? No living person heard them. Oh my god. Did the dead hear them? There are touching illusions that are perhaps sublime realities. And then, that Nemo will like, uh, taking, (laughs) taking Fontaine's head in both his hands, Valjean set it on the pillow like a mother with her child. There we go. Yeah. That's page two seventy. That's good shit. That's for you to <laughs> quote it later yeah. in your work. Thanks. And that's interesting as well, um, because all of the others have um, so far have spoken just a, like about the idea of him being a mother, but they explicitly use um, she/her pronouns as well. There, like they mm. talk about a mother and her child. They describe Jean Valjean as being like a mother who moves in this way with her child you know like that it's sort of more explicit i would say there yeah let's see what it says in the original french carry on yeah Yeah. um then he takes her hand touches it to his lips 
rises and turned back to Javert. I am at your service, he said. Mm. Then next chapter, do you want me to wait, Nemo? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it. We'll get back to you all with that one day, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, because it, it will be interesting if it does actually use a pronoun. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, chapter the last of this book, <gasps> A Fitting Grave. <gasps> um, yeah, so Javert goes to jail. No, Javert takes the first one to jail. <laughs> Javert, you go to jail. It's what he deserves, honestly. So, try again. Jean Valjean is taken to a lockup. Uh, mm. It is sad to have to record that at the mention of the word felon, nearly everyone deserted him. In a matter of hours, all the good he had done was forgotten, and he was simply the ex-convict. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's 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 very much a mirroring of what sort of happened uh, um, in a personal sense when he was in prison anyway, um, yeah. that he sort of lost that sense of of his personhood, and it's interesting mm. to sort of see that in a in a social that that has to happens in a social sense as well. It sort of mirrors um, some of the way that he was interacting with people in that as well. Worth again mentioning the fact that like it was surprising to have a. a- sympathetic like criminal in scare quotes mm. character mm. and like that for us we do know what the underdog story is and in, in media we have accepted the idea that like you can have people who've been in jail who are good people what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that for hugo's audience that would have been like not a common concept yeah especially one who's not considered being like a hero who's been locked up by foreigners kind of thing yeah so it it is kind of interesting because i feel like that would be really devastating and, and i would love to have been there i wouldn't have loved to be in 19th century <laughs> france no. but no. um no i would love to understand i would love to see someone's reaction who was reading for this for the first time and to feel that blow of like and everyone abandoned him because yeah that would be mm, some tasty (laughs) stuff uh so then we get a lot of the sort of gossip that's going on in the town you know everyone's like oh haven't you heard oh (laughs) it was something like bijin or bonjin (laughs) he was arrested (laughs) but uh only three or four persons in the whole town remained faithful to his memory among those, the old concierge who had served him. And she sort of, on autopilot and in kind of shock of everything that's happened, automatically kind of like sets his candle out and sort of sets his things up like the, she usually would. Oh, man. <laughs> and then she's trying to like sit and contemplate. And then the pigeonhole windows open and a hand comes through. It's Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and he was like, you thought I was in prison. So I was. I broke out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I hate this stupid fucking book. <laughs> um, so he's like, go, could you go get S- Sister Simplice? I know that she's so loyal, I'm not even going to worry about it. <laughs> and then like, some, just some Victor Hugo bullshit. Uh, how he managed to get into the courtyard without calling for the porter. Uh, to be open, no, the porte cochere. I'm assuming that's the door? The um, porte, yeah, porte is um, door. I don't know what cochere is without looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's probably like a specific kind of door. Yeah, um, so. 
How he managed to get into the courtyard without calling for the door to be opened is not known. He always carried a passkey which opened any of the doors, but this must have been taken from him when he was in the prison. The point has never been cleared up. <laughs> oh my god. It's carriage porch, by the way. Okay. Ah. So assuming the door that lets yeah. the carriages in. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. But these are real events and we just don't have hate. I hate it whenever he writes it like that. I just, I hate it so much. So he goes up to his room um, and he writes a letter basically when he was like uh, at the court. I'm Jean Valjean. Here's some various proofs. One of them was that he'd left the coin that he stole from Petit Gervais in the fireplace. Um, So he basically writes a letter being like, here is where it is, just as I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he did all of this without haste or agitation. Uh, just another day. <laughs> you know how it be. <laughs> and then Sister Simplus comes in. The harsh blows of fate have this especial quality that however self-perfected we may be, however disciplined, they draw from us the true essence of ourselves. The emotions of that day had turned the nun again into a woman. Oh my god. Weird. Everyone's becoming people again today. Yeah. Everyone's being people. Well, there was that special description of Sister Simplice as well, wasn't there? Like, obviously that's mm. gross misogynistic bullshit, but also um, she was described as the person who had never lied, except for, you know, this one time that she lies to Fontine to be kind. And, um, you know, she is described in a sort of an especially... Ugh. The word that I was going to use was sexless, which is just, <laughs> wow, a whole, just a whole lot. But Pinnacle of nundum? <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I, that's where you go. It is interesting because, um, like, with her becoming a, a woman again, directly after the only person who had um, uh, still believed in Jean Valjean was his, like, housekeeper lady. Yeah. And, like... And one of the things that I was watching out for that we set up in the beginning was like all of these like unnamed or not unnamed, but like uncharactered old women porter ladies who just like exist and like how they kind of exist as their job role as like old kind women who believes in you. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, um, it it is interesting how Hugo is like simplest. Sister Simplice, like, stopped being a nun and has become a woman again directly after being, like, the only person who believed in Jean Valjean was an unnamed porter yeah. lady. <laughs> well, no. What, four people. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It could, uh, he might be implying that Sister Simplice believes in him. Only women believe in Jean Valjean. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that is the thing. It's, like, only kindly, like... Spoiler alert, since the Stimplist does believe in him. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have waited um, five fucking seconds, Nemo, could you? Okay, sorry. Does Sister Simplist believe in him? <laughs> well, you can make your point, because there's some other guff. And then there's Sister Simplist believing in him. Uh, no, I think that was my point. Okay. <laughs> she had been weeping because of everything that's happened in Fontaine's death. Um, Jean Valjean writes another letter, which he gives to her to give to the curé. Um, basically being like, can you, here's some money, uh, can you pay for the cost of my trial, the funeral expenses for the woman who died today, the rest is for the poor. And then they hear some noise outside. Who could it be? Oh my God, it's him. 
we recognise the voice of Javert. <laughs> <laughs> and God, this fucking idiot. You can hear them downstairs being like, uh, that the kindly older lady is like, no, I promise, there's, no one's been here. No, he hasn't been home. And they're like, there's a <laughs> goddamn candle up in that room. You can see the light of it. <laughs> 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 oh on. Luckily, when you open the door in this room, there's a little corner that you can't see behind. So Jean Valjean's going to stand there. And we get Sister Simplice doing her, yes, I also support Jean Valjean. Um, she pretends to be praying. Or maybe she is praying. Uh, she looks like she's praying. And we get some good Javert, more Javert characterization. At the sight of her, Javert stood abashed. It must be borne in mind that the core of Javert's being, the climate in which he lived, the very air he breathed, was respect for authority. <laughs> in his religious faith, as in all things, he was both superficial and rigidly orthodox. Uh, was he rigid? That's interesting. <laughs> Shut up. It goes without saying that for him, the highest authority was that of the church. Seeing her praying, his first impulse was to withdraw. But on the other hand, he had a duty to perform, which also admitted of no denial. So on second thoughts, he stayed, but resolved to hazard at least <laughs> one question. And there stood knelt Sister Simplus, who in all her life had never told a lie. Javert knew this and held her in a special veneration because of it. <laughs> so he was like, Sister, is there anyone else in this room? She's like, no. And he's like, okay, well, but... He doesn't, he, wait, he doesn't look behind the door? No, it's a special oh dark corner, and when the doors open, Grace, <sighs> you can hide... It's invisible. Good. You're invisible. <laughs> uh, I mean, also, like, it, it, it's also that thing, well, me reading, <laughs> me having watched films of the, like, um, he respects this woman being alone. Like, yeah. you know, like he's not going to barge past a nun probably to be mm. like fling the door open. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what him being like it being like he respects the church and priests and the sister so much that he's like, I would go, but but I'm allowed to stand in the doorway maybe and ask some questions. So then he asks the second question: uh, Have you seen anyone this evening? A man? Uh, Jean Valjean? <laughs> Have you seen him? <laughs> and she's like, no. A second lie. She had lied twice, promptly and without hesitation, in an act of sacrifice. I apologise, said Javert. Bowing deeply, he withdrew. Ah, um, oh, we got a little Sister Simplice exclamation mark. The saintly woman has long since departed this life. May she be credited for her falsehood. <laughs> yeah, and then Jean Valjean goes. <laughs> well, actually, no, in the very... Once again, Victor Hugo style. An hour later, a man on foot might have been seen <laughs> leaving Montresor in the direction of Paris. It was Jean Valjean. By the way, in case you hadn't... Uh... And then some, like, the testimony of two carters that I asked. Uh, they said that oh they saw God. a man with a smock. And, well, we know that someone died uh, recently who was seen in a smock. Maybe it was that smock. Uh and then, end of the chapter, a last word about Fontaine. We have a common mother, the earth, and it was to her, this mother, that she was restored. The curé thought that it was well to retain, for the benefit of the, fit of the poor, as much of the money that Jean Valjean's left. So he chooses to give her a pauper's grave with, like, the barest essentials, just in the corner of the cemetery. 
M, her mortal remains were laid to rest in company with other unconsidered bones in a public grave resembling her own bed. And that's a rap on Fontaine. Yeah, <laughs> Christ. It is a rap on Fontaine. So it's that mixture of like sad ish about the pauper's grave, but then also mm. you're like, it does make sense to do a smaller funeral and have more money for the living poor, maybe? Question yeah. mark. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I think like but then as a um that's probably the sort of thing that like a modern audience is like oh yeah that's completely reasonable like the dead yeah. are the dead but mm. i imagine that probably would have meant more like not receiving proper sort of funeral rites and that sort of thing mm. is more would have been mm. more upsetting to the sort of well she she got she still had the audience. the funeral uh it was just like yeah, just the barest essentials mm. mercifully god knows where to look for our souls <laughs> oh. oh my god um yeah also i don't know i'm trying to think the only other grave we do get to see is john Valjean's at the end which is the same it's a pauper's grave mm-hmm. at the back of a church that goes like unnamed so they're both they both end their lives in the same kind of way they both like get returned to the earth in the same way neither of them like does deserves in scare quotes like the all of the gold and stuff i guess so maybe it's a commentary again about religion and like throwing loads of money at something that should just be um yeah. a return to the earth mm. i say as someone who's not religious so like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think about sort of the parallels between fontine and jean Valjean that must be being drawn there like i wonder if there's mm. something in the motherhood thing as well that sort of draws connections between the two of them mm. i mean because they are both mothers to cosette aren't they like mm. it must be a sort of a conscious um i'm trying to make those connections but my brain isn't working beautifully but like god knows who the good souls are and it doesn't matter the sort of trappings god knows where to look for our souls yeah yeah i mean it, it's also like it kind of surprised me i don't i don't know how common it is for like Christians to consider the earth as mother earth yeah like it kind of surprised me that that's the language that got used Mm. for Fontaine at the end like it wasn't and she ascended to heaven and it was all about heaven it's very much about like she returned to the she returned to the earth yeah yeah and like it doesn't mention there, like, although it mentioned when she was dying, you know, the wings that were strapped to her yeah. back and, like, mm. her looking towards heaven. Like, it didn't seem particularly heaven-focused at this this ending, which is quite, like, grounding and quite, like, um, keeping your thoughts on her and her body rather than her soul. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is quite an interesting thing for it to do. Mm. But then it could also be the opposite of that, where it's saying that like her body is lost, but God fi- God finds her soul and takes True. it. That is sort of also what is said. So it could sort of be interpreted either way. Her body is lost to the earth, but God will find her soul. Yeah, I guess that works with the, the Vajran one as well, because mm. it's like, there's, yeah, kind of like proves that a criminal and someone who's done sex work can go to heaven and yeah. that like they're... ah yes um it could be a um it's quite an explicit way of talking about the fact that even though they aren't recognized in life 
um they're sort of uh socially rejected they are um you know they are a sex worker and they are also um a criminal oh how this this made so much sense in my in my head a second ago <laughs> like even though they are um people who are like rejected by society mm. god doesn't like that doesn't happen in yeah. heaven like they um they are buried in the dirt in pauper's graves and even though you know that is what is given to them by the human world that they live in god finds mm. them mm. yeah yeah I, yeah that's um probably a more accurate view go to Fugo, Victor Hugo. <laughs> Victor Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Fugo. Yeah. Um, it's an accurate Hugo take to read more than probably like, uh, God doesn't exist, you return to Earth yes. and become a tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that's, I think that's the sort of thing where what that we would, that we want to read yeah. into it. But I, yeah, I mm. think his intentions are probably more, more aligned the other way. Interesting. Mm. So. That was book one. We finished this part, guys. Holy shit. We did it. Holy shit. (laughs) That's, again, a wrap on Fontaine, because if you forgot, this part is called Fontaine. (laughs) (laughs) Going into part two. Cosette. God damn, it's literally (gasps) a wrap on Fontaine. Book one, Waterloo. Oh, no. No, you said it incorrectly. It's actually Waterloo. (laughs) Wow. Well, every single one of us went for a different pitch there, which was thrilling. (laughs) I'm glad that happened. That was delightful. Or a three-part harmony. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Does something need to harmonise? To be a harmony. (laughs) Yeah. Man. Holy shit. I can't believe we finished one of the fucking... (laughs) Did I ever really think it it would happen? It's taken us 25 episodes to get through part one. So by episode 50, we'll have finished Cosette. Yeah, there we go. Hey, well, it's a big, sounds achievable. I mean, it's if a I big keep, fucking book. If I keep doing the like, oh, they don't need this. Oh, wait, maybe they did need that. But <laughs> that'll get us through pretty fucking quick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll start doing six chapters a, a week because it will be like, none of this was necessary. Oh, Though to be fair, like I don't know, with the actual essays that are coming up, it's not like you have to. Are we going? To... Are we going to dedicate our lives to knowing exactly what happens in each chapter of Waterloo? Because I feel like we have to, but also <laughs> I skip over them. <laughs> well, I've got um, at least this edi- book edition's uh, translator boy. His like thoughts and feelings on Waterloo. So before we can even get to Waterloo. We've got to talk about people's opinions of Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. So the next special is Waterloo. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually care about Waterloo. I just prepared notes on it the first time I ever made notes. No. <laughs> that was so many years ago, they're not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> if this you... is a fucking... I'm sorry, I'm having a little flick now. If this is a literal blow-by-blow of Waterloo... I'll first drag this editor for not wanting to include it, but then I myself mm. might just do a special on here is the timeline of Waterloo. I'll give it to you in 10 minutes. That's all you needed. Yeah. No, you yeah. see, because it's Victor Hugo, it's not just, and here's a timeline, of, and this is a blow-by-blow of Waterloo. It's, here's a blow-by-blow of Waterloo. And also, you won't notice, but there is a character in the background here. And, oh, he's oh, relevant. Who's <laughs> 
How long yeah. is this Waterloo stuff? It's it's long. It's like as long as Muriel. Is it? <laughs> devastating. Yeah. God, Absolutely yeah. Devastating. The Battle of Waterloo. Is this still Waterloo? I see the word water. Napoleon? <laughs> is that you? Oh, Javert. Oh, it could be worse. <laughs> that's what you like to hear. <laughs> the man in the yellow coat. See, that's his uh, yellow coat. Remember I talked about his yellow coat? No, not no. at all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> in a couple of episodes ago, I was like, haha, yeah, Jean Valjean does wear yellow. And you were like, you need to explain that. And I explained that Jean Valjean oh, wears yellow coat. Oh, we're talking about the... Um, the um, yellow jackets, the yellow coats, the... Um, French revolutionaries. Is that the parallel you were making? Oh no. Oh god. <laughs> no. I it. no. It was, I think, Stevie, I think it was something like we were talking about everyone wearing a different colour, and then you guys were like, oh yeah, Jean Valjean would have to wear a bright yellow coat, and I was like, haha, yeah, but he does. Oh, Jean Valjean. Oh, I see. Jean Valjean. Oh, I see. Uh, See, that was me doing a like, oh, yeah. And then in current day France, you know, the sort of... Um, <laughs> oh, the, the yellow jacket. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not that. No, fair, yeah. So glad to hear that the knowledge that I imparted on you guys went in. <laughs> yeah, we listen We listen to, like, the stuff that you say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has been Brent Barrett telling <laughs> this podcast. Produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yeah, It was a Captain's Collections podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or quibbles about this episode, you can send us an email, lamerspodcast at gmail.com, L-E-S-M-I-S, or you can send us an ask on Tumblr at Bren Barricades, or a message on Twitter at Podcasts. Don't know why I said that so weirdly, but you got the gist. We have two ways of you giving us money. <laughs> I know it's really hard in the world right now, um, but we have a Kofi and a Patreon, and if you have any money to spare, it would be really kind of you to help us. Um, we have a website and hosting fees to pay, and it would be nice to get some tips. Somebody did. Oh, my oh yeah, God. shout yeah, out. somebody did. Shout out to um, Germany. Because Ian said, I could listen to you guys make a podcast about anything, and the fact that it's about lamers makes it even better. Keep up the good work. Which made us all cry. Oh, so yeah. thank you, Ian. Fun. You're beautiful, we, and we love you. We absolutely lose it anytime anyone says anything like that. It goes yeah. into a group yeah. chat, and we all cry. Please leave a comment um, and a rating on iTunes. Yeah. Please do that. And if you do do that, send us a screenshot on Twitter or on Tumblr or wherever you like to our email, I guess, um, so that we can read it out and then cry. <laughs> yep. Our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on her band came. Oh, the or, band came? Shut up. Um, or on her band camp, uh, at jadewasabi. Uh, you can download our theme tune, pay what you want. You should pay many millions of dollars. <laughs> Don't know why specifically dollars. And I think that's everything. Thanks. So thanks for listening. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. I hope that you're pages that we've already read were already slightly scuffed and a little bit sweat stainy. <laughs> <laughs>
Because if they weren't, let me tell you about them something now. I'm a fucking frog. And... (laughs) 